Hello and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Manchester United continuing their winning ways, Real Madrid jumping ahead of Atleti in La Liga, the Champions League is back, we also talk TFC and Whitecaps transfer news, we've got to mention Aston Villa's terrific comeback against Luke Wilman, Sheffield United, <laughs> and Partick Thistle, yes. Gary Caldwell's Partick Thistle move on in the Scottish Cup into the, what, the last 16, I think? No, the quarterfinals. Quarters. It is yes, the quarterfinals, yes, that's right. it's going to get Interesting now because obviously the big boys get a decent draw. There, there is some some games that can potentially win. Well, they can win any game, of course. Something special about the Coldwells and yeah, Cups. It has to be said. So, Gaz yeah. got there all the way to the, to the FA Cup final, you lifted it, it yes. lifted it with Wigan, and you know you won some playoff final against <laughs> the aforementioned Sheffield United, as we saw yesterday on Twitter with you. Um, it looked like you were actually chugging back that bottle of champagne. I was. I wanted to get drunk. Yeah. After the on game. the pitch, it's amazing. You're so high after a game that whenever you're fortunate enough to drink champagne on the pitch, yeah, you literally get drunk in two sips <laughs> because you're so high, but your adrenaline's flowing. So, well, I was pretty drunk that night. Played like 52 games yeah. to, to eventually <laughs> get to games. 62 games. Yeah. Like, I think Graham Alexander was the only one that played every single match. It was 63 games that season. 63. There you go. Sheffield United lost in the final. We're we talking about the 2009 playoff final, is it? Yes, yes. 2009. Burnley. Yeah. Um, we will get into Burnley later uh, as we recap some of the action in the Premier League. Before we get into some of our big games, we do have a bit of a scheduling announcement due to Champions League and, of course, the wonderful Family Day next weekend. We'll be shifting the dates of our next record to Thursday morning, February the 14th, because we love each other so much. Happy Valentine's Day that day. And following that, we will be off for the weekend, but back for an instant, and I mean instant, CONCACAF Champions League reaction podcast on February 19th. Why? Because that is the day Toronto FC finally kick a ball in anger. And we say finally because I know from many people inside that team, they've been waiting long and hard since October to kick a competitive ball in action. We'll go right back into our normal Sunday schedule following that on the 24th when I believe there's some small game called Manchester United-Liverpool. I'm sure we'll get into <laughs> on that game as well. Busy times here at a football podcast. We appreciate everything. Continue to rate and review. We really enjoy all the, the uh, social media things that we get from you guys and all the questions. And so far, we had a lot of fun. Games galore going on right now, too. This is a great time to be a football fan. Yeah, there's so much going on, isn't it? It's always that turn of the year after kind of January gets, gets done and dusty. Then you start to really see the uh, the runway don't you mm. it's, it's heading in towards the vital part of the season knockout Champions League to me is always a, a great indicator KJ of when the, the, the most business end of the season really gets into gear so I'm excited for that to start Premier League's heating up in a number of different areas and football all over the world is just getting very exciting yeah it's great I love it because I mean obviously here in North America there's that little bit of a downslide in February where you know the NFL's over baseball's not started we're not anywhere in the playoffs with hockey and basketball but as usual the great game of football will be there for you as you need it almost every day in the cold February month um, anyway let's get into our games of the week we want to start our main appetizer this week will be in Spain with the Madrid derby <clears throat> excuse me uh, I watched Real Madrid midweek against Barcelona in the in the cup semi-final and thought I thought they were terrific. They only drew one each and Messi came on and there's a lot to, to to get into with that, but I thought they had a bit of swagger back to them, a little bit of that um you know ability to turn it on in big games and we watched this game um you know on Saturday morning wondering whether Atleti would have it in over them again that defensive solidity the yeah. street fighter uh, you know thing that that Simeone brings. Before we break down some of the big moments, it has to be said, 
Sansi Solari. I mean, he's a little bit doing a little bit of Solskjaer right now. You know, he's just getting yeah. the best out of his players. And again, on a big moment, the big players delivered. They deliver when it matters, don't they? And, and often against their their, their neighbours and rivals, mm. Atletico Madrid, and another heartbreaking loss for them. But it's a group of players that are just so mentally focused and driven, aren't they? It's almost like they need that... Oh, that that level of pressure and it's like and a drug for them, I'm sure. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It gets the best out of them. It's uh, it's needed for them to perform at that level and uh, the energy that that takes and the the balance that you have to go through to make sure that you're 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 peaking at you know one minute or, or seconds after the the kickoff is is really difficult. KJ, I have to say, I've never played in a game at that magnitude, but I played in some decent games and. It's the ups and downs of trying to prepare for it that, that's really hard to manage, and uh, the, the truly world-class players of the of the game can do that, can get themselves ready at the right moment. And again, uh, they guys did that. Ramos, terrific. Casemiro, mm. uh, Modric, the same names that we've been Cross, talking yeah. about and loading for years and years. Um, deliver yet again, and they're in touching distance now. To me. They are the challengers. That was that was such a massive game because they're so close to each other in the league. It makes them the, the challengers to Barcelona. It still seems like a big gap, but they've still to play each other. And they're moving themselves right into a pole position to, to try and put the pressure on uh, their, their biggest rivals in Barcelona. Yeah, and here they are, just as we get into the business side of the season, ticking into the, 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 the tournament that they're synonymous with, getting, yeah. getting ready at a high level. It almost was perfect. You know, get El Clasico in the cup. Then we've got the derby. They've got another El Clasico to come soon. But here comes the Champions League last 16. And I've done this tournament with you the last three years. And the amount of times we've watched the game going, how have they done it again? And in the end, we just, I think we went as analysts from questioning some of the players to just in the end, just being in awe. Yeah. I certainly was. Yeah. In awe of an ability at any level. And, you know, we all we're all big sports fans of any level of just knowing how to get it done. And I and that's one of the reasons why I I find it very difficult to hear or imagine anything that said poorly about Sergio Ramos because I want to go there because you mentioned it, yeah. but like there's some analysts out there who significantly criticize Sergio Ramos and will will forever go to their their grave saying that he will never be one of the greatest defenders of all time. And I have a very, very difficult time thinking about the amount of high-level games this guy has done in his career, stepped up every single time almost. And yes, he's got his red cards, but it, that's what you get when you put yourself out there on the big stage, is it not? Yeah, he's one of my favorite players. He's, he's passion and commitment and always on that line of, of fair and unfair. Yeah. You have to respect it. This is a guy who's been at the the highest level of football for for the longest time. He had to play right back in his earlier days with the national team because of the quality players that were ahead of him. Then he waited in his chance there. And he, you know, he's been dominant in the back line for Real Madrid for 15 years, is it? I don't know the exact number, but a long, long time. And to stay at that level and to keep getting up in the morning when you have millions and millions of pounds or dollars or, or euros in the bank yep. to just keep doing it to, to, to want to win that much is, is testament to the mentality of the guy also a wonderful player one of the best players one of the best defensive players on the ball in the game uh, of his era uh, he changed the way that it was played played midfield at times he was asked to play at midfield by Carlo Ancelotti mm -hmm. in his tremendous book that you allowed me to borrow when he talked about when he, he went up to, uh, to right. Ramos sorry, and asked him you know I, I know it's not your greatest thing but you play midfield for me I need you in there and 
no doubt was it it was I'm playing there whatever you need boss that's just indicative of the guy that he is and what, is, what did he score today? The 11th? 11th goal of the season. For <laughs> the 11th goal. Yeah. And I know he takes penalty kicks, but... By the way, he takes penalty kicks. Yeah, exactly. That's not like It's not like 11 goals this season for a striker. Yeah. It's Sergio Ramos stepping yeah. up without Ronaldo now, taking penalties. Yeah, exactly. To get the ball off uh, Benzema right. or uh, Vinicius or whoever's yeah. playing that team. Modric, all the guys that, that you would think may take a penalty ahead of him. No, I'm the captain. I take the penalties now in the absence of Ronaldo and uh, the nerve that it takes to do that as well. Unbelievable. Yeah. What, what a player. I, I, can, I don't know what to say. I can never say enough about the guy because he's someone that I, I just truly admire. And, and people get people get mad about the way that he goes about things. And, and, and like I said, he's always on the edge of fair and unfair. But to me, that almost epitomises who he is. Mm -hmm. I, I sort of respect that. You know, yeah, it's, I do too. it's part of the way that, that he's, he's made. And, um, don't rule them out again because no. with this guy as a captain and with the players and the experience that they have and, and a man much like Solskjaer who understands the club in a cup competition, I think La Liga might be a bit too far, but in this Champions League, they could be coming strong at the right time. Yeah, I love him for all the reasons you mentioned and, and of course that narrow line between you know, fair and unfair, you know, this is entertainment. <clears throat> in, in the end, you know, villains are good for the sport, you know, and he's a good villain. He loves know? being the villain, He loves being he? the villain and he had that celebration mocking Griezmann today. He won the header, by the way, that led to the fantastic <laughs> goal by Casemiro. Yeah. He won that header. He rose above everybody else because he wanted it more and then he scored the penalty to make it 2-1 after Griezmann had equalised as well. So. And an outstanding player in the air. I'm glad you brought that up in both boxes. Mm -hmm. It always has been. So, you know, wonderful on the ground and, and, and amazing in the air. And he does make mistakes because he takes chances. He's bold enough to take the ball and do that. And he's made mistakes in his career. And um, it's a very special player that, that can still take the ball and, and still have the presence to, to demand it. And just an out-and-out winner. When, when you think of Ramos, the first word that comes to your mind is winner. 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 He's proved it with the trophies, but just the way he goes about his business, do anything to win. In Scotland, we used to say he'd kick his granny to win a game of football, and that's what I'd say about Ramos. Oh, yeah. doesn't know granny means grandma. Yeah, he wouldn't just kick her. He'd two-footed tackle, <laughs> two -footed tackle through the ball to get Oh, sorry, granny, got the ball. Um, yeah, um, Gareth Bale came on to make it 3-1. In the end, he didn't start. Vinicius actually started the game, and by the way, he was very good in El Clasico yeah. midweek as well. Still a teenager breathtaking pace um you know the hype machine's gonna gonna go and go and go isn't yeah. it with, with a player like that but so far they've done a decent job of keeping that but i guess before we get to veil veil just a little bit of a of a word on him because you know there's been some young players coming through the team uh Reggion at left back started instead of Marcelo yeah. today uh i did a podcast this week with our, with my friend kian on um the managing madrid podcast where i said it's been a a little bit of a transitional year for Madrid, as much as you can ever allow a, a Goliath to be. Yeah. A this is a, about as transition you're allowed. You can get Llorente in there, yeah. you know, Asensio, Ceballos. Ceballos. You got to get these young players in, but at the same time, you know, not necessarily just cut everything off and finish eighth. You've still got to win. Yeah. Um, but Vinicius is an example of that. They've kept him happy. He's, he's got an opportunity and, and played him in back-to-back -back games, the two the biggest games in, in the Spanish calendar. Yeah, they, they certainly trust him and they want to push this lad forward because I, I, th I think or I know they believe he can be a real superstar of the game. Yeah. So 
why wait? It's, it's the Madrid philosophy, isn't it? When you're ready and, and you can handle the expectation and, and the um, the other side of the game, which he's, he's proven that he can, then get him in there, give him minutes. Playing ahead of Gareth Bale is, is, is no mean feat. And I think that he brings something really different, that ability to manipulate the ball and dribble and, and, and come off that left-hand side. Very, very exciting. Now, it's up to him to... Uh, keep proving that and, and, and take his game to the next level maybe a, a little bit more product from him he, he gained the penalty today didn't he that Ramos put away which you believe was a pen wasn't it yeah I do I think I, it was a bit of controversy but there was a there was, there was contact the ref gave it didn't he and then um, they went to VR of course like they did for almost every Everything. decision that yeah. actually mattered he in was, the whole there game there was involved a lot yeah. I felt like they were at VR every, every two seconds yeah. but they went to VR and the, I, I said to you at the time, there's no way they're overturning this because there's enough there to say that, that it's a penalty. Now, I also would have been okay with the ref not giving the penalty, KJ, because it was right on the border of enough contact. Vinicius was happy to go over as well. but You're still preventing him from going forward. Yeah, I always say to you, don't, once you get that goal side as a defender, you, you back right off. You know that any kind of contact... If the lad goes down, it's going to be a penalty kick. And he didn't back off, did he? There was still some kind of contact there. He took the opportunity to go over, as most forwards would in, mm-hmm. in the modern game. And, and so he kind of no complaints. Was it was it Jimenez? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was Jimenez and, on, on Vinicius. And the penalty was given. It was... It was um, it was obviously a, a massive moment in the match, but back to Vinicius and, and the qualities that he has, I'm, I'm excited to see how they develop. It's interesting as we talk about uh, the summer in, in Real Madrid and, and obviously our opinion that a Galacticos is going to come in at mm. Hazard or Possibly Neymar. Hazard, yeah. That's what they're saying. That Can you position. imagine <clears throat> Vinicius and Neymar in the same side? Though? <laughs> that would just be unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it? Neymar has played centrally a little bit more this year, so yeah. maybe you could get them on the Maybe they both the come in, somehow. maybe... Maybe they both play in wide areas, but they, you know they, they certainly need a superstar. Or do they decide this guy's our superstar? Mm. Let's give him a little bit more time. It's not really the Madrid way, but who knows? You know we're not there day in day out watching this lad train and, and seeing what he's capable of. Maybe they just kind of hand him the keys. Yeah, maybe. Um, when you watch a game, I know your eyes generally gravitate towards the defence and that's yeah. probably the first area you see for me a lot of times it, it's central midfield I always say when people ask me who are your favourite players I could probably play 11 central midfielders and be happy uh, just, <laughs> you're like Pep remember yeah. you used to say that <laughs> I want to play yeah. 11 midfielders there you go. I yeah. mean I just think that for me if a team's successful or breaking down one or the other high level or low level first place to go is that yeah. I want to watch them I want to watch midfield that's the architecture of the football game for me um, and I think it's time to start the discussion that this is one of the greatest midfielders in the history of football there's three you know, yeah. you've got Modric and Kroos who would go down as two of the finest players to ever play the game and Casemiro the blend is marvellous yeah. and, and every single time I watch them together in a big game they rarely let each other down again you've got such you got you you create a midfield three and you think about what you want from you think they've got everything. They tick every box, mate. Yeah, Everyone. they do. They do. They, they, they complement each other tremendously well and they all have different attributes to the game. And um, I, I kind of want to focus on the unsung hero just now in Casemiro. Mm. Yeah. I thought he was terrific today. Yeah. Every time I looked over, he was thundering into a tackle. I think he was face-to-face with somebody at one point. And you're playing against a formidable physical team in Atletico Great Madrid, point. managed by a guy like Simeone. And, and Solari and, and, and Simeone are very different people, it seems. One's obviously very vocal and, and, and very animated. And, and Solari's just nice and calm. He has the composure. So when you're sort of sent out there or you feel that energy and the difference in energy coming from the sidelines, it's up to you on the field 
to bring something to the game and Casemiro took that on mm. we talk about Ramos doing that but Casemiro quietly goes about doing that as well thundering tackle face to face with somebody and on top of that he does something that we don't even expect he, he scores a scissor kick into yeah. the net you know he's, he's free in the box and in a vital area so he even gets a goal to, to the good but I think he's been brilliant for this team and I think that he creates that that base and that kind of license for the other two to go and drift and be creative and um, sort of go into areas of the field that, that would be difficult to leave unless you had someone That's there right. reliable. They cover full-backs, exactly. they go forward, they're in the, the they're far areas. in the full-backs area, yeah. aren't yeah. they? They drop into left and right back. We we mentioned that in the past and they get on the ball and they begin the plays there. The full-backs go extremely high and... and um, when we talk about this midfield and we, we kind of rate it in the, the history of the game or, or certainly of their era, they're going to be up there. And uh, I, I think that two guys in Modric and Cruz will say a thank you to the Brazilian Casemiro yeah. for saying thank you for allowing us to be as ex, express ourselves in the way that we would have liked because of your ability to, to kind of hold the reins back there. And no coincidence, we talked about Busquets last week and how magnificent, by the way, one of the greatest midfielders of all time, Busquets, Xavi and Iniesta. Yeah. No coincidence that when they kind of moved on, here came these guys to absolutely dominate European Cups over the next five years. So. Yeah, it, 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 well, we could talk for 30 minutes on this alone, but the, the difference between yeah, these two... it's great, isn't it? You know, the gracefulness of Barcelona, even Busquets is that, you know, deep-lying pivot... The gracefulness is a way. Oh, he's got a lot of charisma. Uh, char he's, he's, yeah, got, he's very charismatic on the ball. In, though, yeah. Very light-footed. Yeah. Breaks up the play. Plays a nice pass. And then the the, the, the power of a Casemiro and even the kind of rugged power of of a Modric and a Cruz is it's so different, isn't mm -hmm. it? And, and intriguing. It's and great. you could get into it all day. And uh, unfortunately, they never quite played against each other in their prime. But that would have been some battle, wouldn't it? it certainly would. Before we get to Manchester United, a quick word on potentially future Manchester United player Gareth Bale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Shawnee, I know you're a Tottenham fan. That would just, just you just threw up in your mouth there. A hundred, a um, hundred Real Madrid goals uh, bring up the century in, in the Atletico Madrid game. Wow, what about that? Hundred goals, sixty-three assists in two hundred and seventeen matches for Real Madrid. Um, also got some magnificent Copa del Rey goal, Champions League <laughs> final goal. Um, you know, Champions League final goal in the penalty, um, three European Cups in a row. Yet this guy, everything I hear about is that he's been disappointing. So it's absolutely phenomenal, by the way, that this guy continues to do this. And we've lived through many um, British players try and go abroad, and yeah. most of them spectacular fail. This guy, if he leaves tomorrow and never plays another game for Real Madrid, will be a, a, a complete success. Engraved in the history of the football club because of the important goals and, and the stats speak for themselves. And he, he played in a very good side, but he still delivered. And you take into consideration... The, the times that he's missed through injury as well and so then you have to get up and running you, you lose that continuity the consistency and you need to get going again and that has obviously uh, shaped the way that we think of this guy unfortunately for him because he can look back at his numbers 217 games 100 goals 63 assists and say they speak for themselves in any league at any level in the world and guess what I'm playing for one of the biggest teams in the world yeah. where there's so, yeah, there's so much more than just stepping out on that field and playing football. There's everything associated with putting on that tremendous white strip of Real Madrid and, and, and doing it and consistently. And, you know, there's what three or four papers that cover just Real Madrid mm -hmm. alone. They, they rate them in training and the, the levels of pressure on these guys is you would never believe yeah it. you have three bad games the president's talking about you in the media yeah and he turned up as the most expensive signing exactly in their history yeah and he went there and, and he delivered the kind of numbers 
probably the best goal in Champions League final history. Mm-hmm. An, an unbelievable moment. You mentioned the Copa del Rey goal, the goal in Barcelona where he went off the pitch by about six yards yeah. and still burnt a very, very good player for pace and, and put it in the, uh, the back of the net. So the moments he's had in, in, in the white of Real Madrid have been absolutely exceptional. I, I think his injuries, like I said, cloud our judgment of him a little bit. They, they make us think he's, he's soft or he's... All the silly things associated with, with, unfortunately, when people have deficiencies in their body or they have periods of time mm-hmm. at the game, we, th- we, we think that he's uh, he's maybe a little bit unreliable, but the numbers are reliable and that's all that matters. Yeah, no question. From one world-class player to another, Paul Pogba inspired Manchester United to a 3-0 victory at, the, at Craven Cottage. A very comfortable victory. We did the game for TSN on Saturday morning. In the end, it, it was it could have been more, uh, and I think that's probably the best way to start because it, this is now what United have become under Solskjaer. A play a team that you go there and you fully expect them to tick both boxes, not only win comfortably but be very impressive in terms of optically and how they play as well. Yeah, easy the word that springs yeah. to mind for me. It was an easy uh, lunchtime game for them. They just kind of went out there. They they won the right to play in the first ten minutes. Rode their luck a little bit. Vieto had a big chance. Then mm-hmm. he should probably put fifty five seconds. Yeah. yeah very early and once that happened and they started to calm down that was it it was just like tick the box three points let's move on but I you mentioned the, the you say the great point about the, the panache that they won with it's mm. back to that Man United swagger and we're getting back to the feeling of Man United don't lose at Fulham you know it's it's, it's one of the ones where uh, I remember a great John Terry story I'll tell it really quickly they're playing pre-season friendly at, at Reading and, and Terry came in at half time they're losing 2-0 and John Terry stood up and said we're Chelsea we don't lose at Reading you know and, and it was brilliant they went out they won the game 3-2 and it was pre-season it was a yeah. friendly but it's that mentality and that's what Solskjaer's bringing back to the Reading Manchester United we don't lose at Fulham we don't go to places like this Manchester United compete and should win every game they ever play it's just the subliminal messages just quietly going about telling people that this is the greatest club in the world. He believes that. He played for that club and he's now managing that club and he's he, he, he's telling people that on a consistent basis. Do you know what that does most? It rubs off in the players. Mm-hmm. They're starting to play like that. He's doing it for the press and, and for the goodwill of the club, but the players start to read it and believe it and now they're playing with that same swagger that we expect of a team and uh, we're in that crest. Yeah, they are. And, you know, he, he we, I think we spoke about it on this very show where he's made them very comfortable in the shirt and prior to that, many of them were not comfortable in the shirt and they were made to feel inferior to wearing that shirt. And, you know, he said something this week about the long-term project, but he also said that, we're Manchester United. We go into every game thinking we're going to win. Yeah. You know, and by the way, Jose Mourinho, and I thought he was right when he was saying this, but he's told everybody that last year when they finished second in the Premier League, that it was a phenomenal achievement because, in other words, the other teams were better than them. And, yeah. And yet, so he was trying to play down the, the quality. And, and, and Solskjaer's just come in and gone, no, 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 we're, we're Man United. Here. Yeah. You know, and by the way, it, it, because he accomplished it for Man United, it says so much more. It's different if it's a, a guy. And this is why the United factor is important because he did it for United. It's not like a different manager who's come in and has done really well for them. Because when he says, no, no, you can play for United, some of them are going, yeah, because you did it. Yeah. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a tremendous player, but he had to learn how to be 
what it was like to play for Manchester United as well. And when he was bought, I remember, I remember on Teletext in the UK, Ronnie Johnson and Oli Golsko were signed together. <laughs> they were signed together and nobody knew who they yeah. were. And at the time, you just thought, oh, the video that you do now of the access, and you're like, okay, well, that'll be interesting. A couple of Norwegian lads playing for United, but we'll see. And then, boy, oh boy, did they ever deliver. And now he's telling the same message to these players. Yes, of course you're good enough to play for United. And you're seeing it with most of the players already and I say most I don't think Lukaku's there but most of the players he's getting the best out of them yeah and that's a great story because anybody can do it if they can prove that they're capable and that's what the guys did coming over from Norway and now he's doing that as a manager he's almost back to that same stage where you know well, we don't really trust that Solskjaer can get it done well he's answered us all emphatically mm. I was very vocal about it being an awful decision by Manchester United to bring Solskjaer back. He didn't have the, the, the quality as a manager, in my opinion, and, and the ability of doing that. He's proved me really wrong because I forgot what was most important or what was needed most at that club in the period of sacking Jose Mourinho and then appointing Solskjaer. And it was the identity and the history and the prestige of playing for Manchester United. And who better to prove that than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Mm. He came over, he learned what it took to be that Manchester United player, he scored important goals, he, he played a role, he was proud to be a member of Manchester United. There was times he could have left, he went and played somewhere else in Europe. KJ was one of the best strikers yep. in Europe. He was often on the bench playing different minutes, but he wanted to be part of something really special, and he was. And now he wants to help these group of players become really special as well and obviously they're going to need to add that they're not um, of the quality anywhere near the quality of Manchester City or Liverpool at the moment but if you mentioned Bale there earlier maybe a Bale in the summer and one or two others they're not far away because they're getting back to what it means to play for that club and uh, an emphatic win today So how long does that last? You said you forgot what it what the most important thing was and yeah. he's obviously brought that now they've got PSG Chelsea Liverpool, followed by Palace, Southampton, then PSG, Arsenal, Man City. Now, I think we, when we look at that run in, the, our, my, my reference points are Arsenal away in the FA Cup, even though it's Arsenal and they're going through transition, Tottenham away in the league, what they're yep. able to do there. Suddenly, the ability to show you that in these games, they can deliver in these big matches. Do you feel that that at some point those players and take me in the head of a player are going to look at Ollie and go, we need you to show us tactically. And he's done a good job. We showed it on the, yeah. the touch screen, but we're going to need more help here because some of these teams are going to come up against are better. Yeah. And when you beat teams, when you're more inferior, you've got to beat them tactically as well as mentally. Yeah. You have to have a plan uh, to, to win against teams that you would expect are, are technically better than you. So um, sports was a great one because I didn't think, they were capable of... And De Gea, De Gea had a worldly, but... Worldly, De Gea but had a worldly. They, they were very good tactically. And, yeah, and Pochettino felt that Spurs were excellent, but I didn't. I thought tactically Manchester United got it right on I the agree. day. They did the split strikers for the first time, I think, and, uh, you know, they're going to go back to that. They're going to play that, you know, uh, probably a Rashford and Martial or Sanchez during the week, and they're going to play Lingard as the, as the false nine, potentially matter. But they've went to that other style that really works for them so I, I know what you're saying I know what you're getting at that there is going to be a moment I think it's going to come in adversity when they're playing against a really good team and it's going to be at, at, at half time probably and the guys are going to be sitting there and they're probably going to be a little bit scared because you get scared when you're like okay 
I don't have the answers anymore. I need you to tell me how you want this to change. And that's going to be his, his real moment. Is he capable of managing Manchester United for two, three, four, ten, fifteen years like an Alex Ferguson? Is he going to come up with the answers at the right time to tell the guys, okay, tweak this, change that, a little bit of change information because what's happening right now is not working. If he can do that, he can be the manager of this club. If he can't do that, then he served his purpose on an interim basis and they've got to go to the guy who can do that, yep. who takes a little bit of what he's helped build. And if it's a Pochettino and understands, OK, I'm not a Manchester United man, I better learn what it is to be that very quickly because his part's important, but the tactics are crucial if you're going to win big trophies. Before we move on to the relegation battle, and we do want to talk about a big game we covered down there as well. Um the other thing I want to mention quickly about United is that if you're if you're a fan of Solskjaer and you're evaluating Solskjaer is that the big players, Rashford, Pogba, De Gea, Lindelhoff, they're all they've all I think got better yeah. under him. And maybe that you know, United are gonna to have to have this decision when it comes to the offseason anyway, tick a box and or, or cross them off. There's a there's a number of those players you've got to move on. But the big players you know are staying, you know you're invested in. He's got a lot out of them. Now Sanchez has been are still TBA. Yeah. Jury remains out on him because of his fitness, I think. Um, Lukaku, I think the jury's in and I think it's an issue. Uh, but other than that, the other players, Solskjaer has found a way tactically to get the best out of him and that's a massive boost for him as, as, he, as he tries to cement his job as a full-time manager. Yeah, huge boost because he, he's focused on the, the four key players and let's mention them first and foremost. De Gea, been terrific, had a bit of a, a slump in his season, we felt, out of the World Cup where he wasn't terrific. He started to, to come back to the hair that we know, captain today and, mm. and, and leading the team. Lindelof has looked like a guy for me that can play every week for Manchester United alongside a more dominant centre-half, but he, he's been brilliant, hasn't put a foot wrong. Pogba should and could be the best midfielder in the world. Now, when he's playing in this kind of style and he's allowed to drift off the left and he's, he's allowed to run forward with the ball... I, I think we said months ago, six months ago, Paul Pogba should get the ball, drive forward, play it while you get in the box. He keeps doing it. He does. Week in, week out now. I keep seeing that. I'm driving in the box. Scored another goal today. And Rashford... Two, yeah. Uh, two, yeah. sorry, with a penalty. And Rashford is the future, isn't he? He's the mm. guy. He's the number nine. He's the future of his club. His goals for the age that he's at compared to any of the top strikers in the world is is better at the stage of, you know, 21 years old, I think yep. he's at. So he's the man and he's went and uh, identified that and said, you're the guy. Now, I made that point, but I want to tell you about Luke Shaw. He's playing better than I've ever seen him play at Manchester United. Good point. He had a yeah. good start to the season, but he was so confident today. thought he was terrific. Under Herrera, you're thinking, maybe he can stay around. He's, mm. you know, what he I've does. Always been, he does. I've really always well. been a bigger fan of him than You most. like him. Yeah. He, 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 what he does, breaks the play down. He has the energy. He gives you a bit of legs in the middle of the park. He has that, you know, a, a great deal of quality. And he does that, that thing really well. Sanchez, mm, jury's out. It's we'll up to him to prove it. Yeah. He's going to give him time to do that. Lukaku will be sold in the summer, should be sold in the summer. Mm-hmm. He's not a Manchester United player. He either needs to get lose weight and get really, really fit and try and fight for his place or he's going to be moved on. They're going to try and get as much back of that exorbitant sum that they paid for him. And that, to me, is clear. You just accept. He made a mistake. He's not a Manchester United player. Let's try and get 40, 50 million for oh, him if get we it. can. Sell him, sell him quick too, yeah. by the way. While the asset's still high, don't let it diminish. No. Because 
Rashford has proven to you. Marcus Rashford is your golden ticket. Yeah. You've found a golden ticket. Okay. And, you know, everyone would say, everyone wants to talk about what he's not good at. And he's clinical. He's not as clinical as Harry Kane. And he's, he's shot, you know, his goals per chance is efficient. His goal scoring rate is, is lower. It's going to get better with age. Yeah. And he's got everything that, that Lukaku doesn't have. You know, he's got the pace yeah. in, in the modern day game that, that you need that you can play. You can play. Marcus Rashford said a wonderful thing last week to him when he was asked about, do you like playing in the number nine position after the game against Leicester? And he said, no, but no kid dreams about playing a number nine anymore. You don't dream of becoming a number nine. You dream of being an attacking-minded yeah. player. And that basically summed it up. You can play left. You can play right. You can play behind the striker. You can play the striker. And that's what he is. Yeah. And that's the modern-day footballer. That's the modern-day attacker. And they tried that with Lukaku, and he's played wide, and he's done, he's done okay in those games. But now you're looking at Lukaku or Rashford to play that versatile attacking route there's, no, there's, there's only one winner yeah there's, there's uh, no debate there is there it, it has to be Marcus Rashford he can play every one of the positions exactly what you said yeah. and, and Lukaku can't now I think he's done okay under Solskjaer Lukaku to be honest but he just doesn't look comfortable and they're just not the same team when he's he's in the team and, and Rashford's not uh, but let's focus on the positives the, the, the found the gem in Rashford he needs to play as much as possible now they still have to recognise he's 21 years old. They'll have to come out of the team. Now they need a, a, a fellow striker, a partner at times, someone who's going to push him, someone who's capable of, of being that other guy. And it's not Lukaku. Cash in, accept the mistake and, and, and move on. But uh, yeah, I, I love where they are because I, I think the Premier League in English football is better for a, mm-hmm. a strong Manchester United. And if we are heading into uh, the, the 2019-2020 season and we're, we're looking at... Uh, a really strong Manchester United, Liverpool being up there, Manchester City, can Chelsea try and go? Can Spurs? You know, like we're we're starting to get real Very competition. It could be brilliant. It certainly could. Let's touch on quickly before we get to Shawnee the relegation battle. Um, a cracking game, Southampton Cardiff that we had live on TSN. Not a cracking first half. <laughs> it was, um, uh, the joke continues that Stephen Nil Nil Caldwell at half time, <laughs> but it did deliver for you. And in the end, you got more goals than me. I was doing Palace West Ham, which was an amazing game, yeah. ended one each. And in the end, Cardiff, the Bluebirds, with a with a stunner um, to drag Southampton back in what we thought was no longer a relegation battle for them under Hassan Hudlen, lost it at all in 2019. And um, boy, oh boy, Cardiff stepped up when they needed to. Yeah, they certainly did. Um, and it was through sheer grit and determination and, and fight and spirit and togetherness. Um, and uh, again, it shows you that you can win football matches in, in many different ways and uh, the belief that they had to, to um, concede the equaliser late, late stages of the game then to score in the dying seconds just shows you what this team's all about. They've been managed brilliantly by Neil Warnock. I think it's. I think this is a guy who's, <laughs> we've been saying it about 10 years for Warnock, he's coming to the end of his career, but I really think this is the time he's come at the end. And I think he's enjoying it, KJ. Yeah, no question. It's the most I've seen him enjoy a managerial spell. I, I just think he's he's relaxed. He's he's, he's enjoying the experience. He's, they've had the terrible tragedy of Emiliano Sala, but it's galvanised them a little bit. They've yep. came together. Every every guy in that squad has, has, has felt that a great deal, and and, and Warnock as a, the manager uh, has felt it the most. And they're, they're finding important things at important times. Southampton were awful today, though they were. We, we've been so complimentary of them under Hassan Hutto, but 
they didn't have that same spark that we've seen lately. They didn't have that same uh, bite to their play, their pressing, their their, their passing or anything. And uh, they thought they'd came away with a point. And lo and behold, awful defending. A poor giveaway from Stevens meant that they lost the game to uh, Zahor's uh, late strike with the left foot in the bottom corner. Great scenes. That's why we love the Premier League, to have those moments as away fans just go crazy in the 94th minute with an away victory. That's what we love about the sport. Um, it is so close now at the bottom of the Premier League. We're going to get into this later. I think there's a question on ask AFP about who we think is going to go down but quickly there's only three points now separating the team in 13th and the team in 18th six teams separated by three points Burnley won 3-1 at Brighton so that just brings them even closer to the in fact they're both tied now on 27 points Brighton maybe we'll save this for later for ask AFP Shawnee but um, if you're a fan of Brighton right now you should be getting a little bit nervous Shawnee over to you as we get into the next segment of our uh, headlines we got a lot of headlines this week Sid Lowe wrote in an article uh, about Marcelo, uh, mostly talking about his form this season uh, and recently against the match against Barcelona, and suggested that it might be time for Madrid to move on from the Brazilian. 30 years old, thoughts? Is it time for Marcelo to move on? Wow, he is um, he's such a polarizing figure, isn't he, Marcelo? Yeah. I, I, you know, he, I, I, I mentioned earlier, I watched the El Clasico uh, Cup semifinal, and by the way, I watched the other Cup semifinal as well, um, which was a tremendous game between Betis and Valencia 2-2. But Marcelo was awful against against Barcelona. He was awful. And that should come as no surprise to anybody who watches Marcelo because you know what? Quite often he can be awful. <laughs> and you watch the game and you go, how can this guy can be generally classed a world-class player? You know why? Back to our point from the start of the show, the Madrid mentality. Because yeah. very often in big games, He's not awful, and we know his deficiencies, and he's magnificent going forward. And I'm sure, as a, a lot of those big players, and we've talked about them before, Benzema and Kroos and Modric and Ramos and Varane, the core of that team, they'll include Marcelo every time as one of the reasons why they're able to get over the hump and win games. So to answer your question, is it coming to the end? Potentially. He's only 30. He's been around forever. But at the same time, I still think in you know in a, in a big season, in big games, he's still got a part to play. I do. I think he's definitely got a part to play and I don't think Real Madrid will, will ask him to leave the football club. Now, it's a decision for Marcelo. Does he want to play every week still or does he want to finish his career at Real Madrid? I, I think that'll be the key here, KJ. Uh, and, and we can't answer that. To me... I've got a feeling he's going to want to play. Mm. I think he's a guy he's got that. Inter Milan ran all over it, Yeah, it? <laughs> he's got Italian football, Serie A somewhere. AC Milan, Inter Maybe. Milan. Yeah. A bidding war for Marcelo. <laughs> I could see that. See now. Uh, but no, um, he's a guy that, to me, loves playing football, loves the positive side of the game, the attacking, the, the flair side of the game. And um, he's now in a situation where. His deficiencies are, are, are being found out a little bit. Maybe he's he, he's lost that little yard, so it's a bit more difficult for him to get back because he's always keen to go forward and he'll always bomb forward. And um, teams are kind of pinpointing that area. I thought last season was his, his best season in a Madrid shirt. I thought he was terrific. I thought he, thought he found a nice balance between left wing and left uh, midfield <laughs> he found that balance between you know being being way too high yeah. and being defensive and and I thought he was brilliant KJ we, we we talked about it a lot through the the Champions League victory of how how he well scored the goal against Bayern didn't uh, he? he was superb yeah. it was not just the goals it was his he's playing that left hand side he's he's a playmaker in the side he's a left back but he's so high forward that or he plays so so high up the park that he creates so much for the team and I thought they did a nice job of kind of 
plugging that gap and 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 stopping his uh, his lack of ability of defending from being exploited. Yeah. Uh, but now I think maybe he's lost a yard. Maybe they're just a bit more vulnerable as a team. But he seems to be on his way out. And to me, he's going to have to decide: does he want to play some games a year, or does he do he want to go somewhere else? Like Serie A. Like I'm, I'm just, there'll be there's going to be thirty clubs lined up for this guy. Yeah. Saying come play for us and giving him whatever he wants. Write your Write your uh, wage check there. You know we'll, we'll pay you whatever you need. Uh, or does he want to stay at Madrid? Mm. They got a good young player in Reggie on who's played yeah. a lot since, and maybe it's an opportunity for Real Madrid to just lower that wage bill down as they try and get a Galactico. Moving on to Barcelona, uh, reports out of Spain are saying that Barcelona are putting out feelers uh, that they may be ready to offload Philip Coutinho. Uh, United, Chelsea looking to be the bidders. Which team does he fit? And do you think this is the time we see Coutinho back in the Premier League? Would not be surprised. There's a strange, there's, there's, a, there's a very strange identity forming with Barcelona and their recruitment over the last few years, where it's, it's quite, I think the best word is perplexing. Bizarre, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just strange yeah. so often. that. And also, we talked about earlier what it means to play for a Real Madrid and get there and deliver. There's, you could say the same about Dembele. There's, a, there's some players who are going to Barcelona. Malcolm, I know he scored midweek, yeah. but he's been disappointing. Arthur's been very good. But you go there and still the jury remains out. Are you good enough to play for this team? And it's strange to say, Philip Coutinho, 140 million player. I was never as high on him as a lot of people. I thought the moment Liverpool got that offer, that, you know, it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll personally drive you out to Barcelona, Phil. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? We'll just drop you off. You know, go on our private jet. John, John Henry's here to take you back to Barcelona, <laughs> Phil. Thanks for coming. You know, it's just an absolute steal for me. Um, and, you know, Liverpool have gone on and they've not, I mean, they've not, just not missed him. No one's even talked about him. That's a strength of their own, by the way, yeah. the front three. Um, do I think he's still a very good player? Yes. But this is, I think, a tactical question I'd like to put to you in terms of Philip Coutinho, Hamas Rodriguez, Mesut Ozil, you know, there's, there's a number of them, um, Isco. These players, what are you becoming in modern day football? Because yeah. they're getting lost a little yeah. bit. And unless you can become a hazard, which I don't think any of them are, then where are you going to play? Yeah, you're, you're not a forward and you're, you're not a midfielder. You don't defend enough to be reliable in midfield. And Coutinho is just starting to fall under that bracket a little bit, isn't he? There's no place for him in the forward line. They need the pace of, of a Dembele. Mm-hmm. Suarez is going to play and Messi is going to play. And, um, <laughs> He played in that three midfield three for Brazil a little bit in the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, he did. And he but did that's, pretty that's well, the lower level he? of football, it has to be said. Well, yeah, lower level, different football, slower, methodical, yeah. different build-up. So he's okay in there. Brazil have the ball for 70% of the game. Uh, it worked, or clearly never worked, because they never won the World Cup. No. And that's their, their, their uh, remit every single four years to win the World Cup. So there was some issues there, but we liked some of his, his performances during the World Cup. I thought he would have fit well with Barcelona. And here's the thing, this is what I want to say about this, KJ. The Messi effect. Lionel Messi is the best player in the world. He's the best player of all time, in my opinion. And he plays for one of the best sides in the last 20 years. And he drags the, not the energy out of the team. I don't know how I'm trying to say this. He is the focal point of mm-hmm. everything that happens in that team. So whether you sign for 140 million or you come through the academy or you're Suarez or whoever you are, you go to that club, you better learn how to play alongside Messi. And that means wherever Messi wants to go, you move into a, a free space. Right. Luis Suarez plays number nine, centre forward. Messi maybe plays wide or number ten. He moves into your space. Suarez moves to the left. And he's done brilliant, by the way. Exactly, yeah. because he's created a partnership yeah. with Lionel Messi, and he said, "Okay, I recognise I am an exceptional player. 
you are the greatest of all time. You go where you want to go and I'll play off you. And I'm not sure Coutinho has found that, mm. has found a way of doing that with Lionel Messi. And so he's fitting into different areas and he's struggling to understand what his worth is to that team. I think he's lost a little bit of confidence and he doesn't defend well. No. So you're a liability if you're then asked to play deeper and deeper, which is kind of what's happened to him at Barcelona. So um, it's not worked. Uh, I, I do think he might be back and I think the, the Premier League's the, the obvious destination for Philip Coutinho because he's played really well there before. I can't see him going back to Liverpool. be very shocked if he goes to Liverpool. I'd be also pretty shocked if he went to Manchester United. Maybe a Hazard replacement, maybe, yeah? Chelsea's the yeah, destination, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah maybe. Um, and the quickly, it's a great point you make, but Messi, uh, as Suarez also has works really hard and has got tremendous respect from Messi. Yeah. Messi gives it him as yeah. well. And you don't get to, that's still not there with Coutinho. It's not because they've created this partnership and understanding between each other. And um, I think that Suarez has been really smart there at Barcelona because if his ego was too big and he wanted to be the man and through the middle and was really feeling anxious about the spells where he didn't score so many yeah. goals, it would have been a huge problem. But he accepted that he was a great team player and he was going to be a brilliant partner to the best player in the world. Champions League is back, as you mentioned in the at the stop. What is the match to watch? Wow. Um, That's a tough one. The great thing about the Champions League is I think there's a lot to decide. It, to answer the question so we don't go on for another 20-minute answer and have Sean giving us <laughs> dirty looks. Um, I don't look at him. You have to see him across. I don't look at him. You notice that? By the way. I can feel his eyes burning by a By the way, he, he would never give us a dirty look. It's just far too nice. Uh, Clay, on the other hand, no, he's nicer. Um, um, oh, I need to look at him. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Atletico Madrid-Juventus only because I think that Again, there's so many things we can get into with the other teams, but just two teams that we don't talk about enough here. But this is Ronaldo again against Atletico. Yeah. And, you know, he's broke their hearts so many times. And Juventus signed Ronaldo to win this competition. And Atletico Madrid are going to present a massive challenge to that. Do I think Juventus will win? I do. But I do think it's going to be a fascinating battle. I don't think it's going to come easy at all. I don't think Juventus will win. I you think know. Atletico Madrid will beat them. Really? And I think that maybe... Uh, Saturday's result against in the derby against Real Madrid will have a, a, yeah, a bearing on that because the Champions League maybe becomes a bit more important to Atletico Madrid but it's a magnificent tie you know it's going to be two outstanding teams I'm sure Juventus shook their head when they saw that draw because they, they wouldn't have wanted that one no. you know it was a, a, a tough one for the last 16 looking at some of the other games I think Man United PSG is a a classic the way Manchester United are playing PSG with a pressure on them and, and expected to win this competition at some point is going to be great uh, where do we go they're all brilliant Ajax Real Madrid's a fantastic game Liverpool Bayern Liverpool yeah, Bayern Tottenham, Tottenham Dortmund, Dortmund. Go it's, on and it's on. unbelievable Sean a question for you are you going to win is Tottenham going to beat Dortmund what do you think I don't think so I knew it he's just so pessimistic <laughs> why is he saying that every time yeah, I think you'll beat them I think Spurs will beat. You Bush beat them last time in the groups, dominated them totally. Um, it's a, so, two different teams right now. I know. Though. Yeah, Dortmund right. are looking very, very good. They right are, now. although Spurs, they gave away a three-goal lead. It's, yeah, you know, it, it, they gave it Hoffenheim. to Hoffenheim, and by the way, three 0 is a terrible lead to have in football. Clearly, our <laughs> Sheffield United yeah, and Luke Wilman. Luke Wilman. Yeah, I'm sure he's listening. No, he doesn't listen to us. He's counting. <laughs> his, he's counting his awards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, but um, no. Basically, every game is class, isn't it? Yeah. 
We're yeah. going to go with that, Shawnee. Schalke City is another interesting yeah. game as well. We, yeah. we go into them all. They're, they're, they're fantastic games. Um, and that's why it's the best competition in the world. Because Amen. when you get to this point, there's so many good teams still left. Speaking of Spurs, uh, their stadium will continue. It's now being pushed to mid-March. Late March is the talk. Should they just wait until next year and and continue the season? I've Monday? had enough of this already. Have you had enough of this? Like, are you yeah. pregnant? Are you not pregnant? Like, I'm. I'm, I'm, like, I'm just. It's just been going on and on. Just like give birth to the stadium or just like let us know when you're having it. You know what I mean? It's There's just issues, isn't there? It's I, yeah. Just just start next season already. You know, like I'm now hearing like okay, well they might if if Palace. Um, win in the FA Cup then the, their game against Tottenham gets pushed back so that might help them start later mm. like Neil Warnock gets a lot of criticism but he was bang on when he said it's actually unfair it's yeah. getting to the stage now where it's competitively unfair I if agree. you play a team at home against Tottenham at home and then you get to play them at Wembley and you know people don't talk about that enough but you know it's it's the dif- it's a difference it is a difference and it should have been dealt with at the start of the season when I thought it was the case that if you started the Premier League game, you had to play the whole campaign in that stadium. But for some reason, uh, the rule that I thought was there was changed and we're waiting on Spurs moving into this new tremendous stadium. By all accounts, the cost has went up and up, but it's going to be sensational. And the reason that this date keeps changing is because there's massive, massive issues with the stadium and they need to get in there for money, KJ. They have to get into this place yeah. because the minute it's ready, the revenue that it's going to bring in is way more than Wembley Stadium. I'm certain about that. And and that's what this is about. As soon as that day comes where they get the, the certificates and everything's ready to, to kind of accept a game, it's going to be played at Spurs Stadium. Maybe they can open it for the Champions League semi-final against Real Madrid. They're getting beat, according to Sean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You can't go in with hope. He's uh, been like this for years with Spurs. <laughs> They're enjoying one of the greatest eras of ever, ever to be a Tottenham fan. I'm a 35-year-old from Toronto. Hope is something we don't have. <laughs> Enough about the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to hope in Toronto. Toronto FC uh, are pursuing Spanish attacker Alejandro Pozuelo. That's as per Sam Stachel. Fans don't seem too excited, but he's currently having uh, an incredible season in Belgium. Is this the right target? Is this a good target? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's one that, as we tape, is still um, tantalizingly close from what I'm hearing, but is far from done in terms of the, the complications to the negotiations. The player wants to come, the, player, the club don't want to leave him, let him go. They've got a Europa League campaign, they've got a title to win, and they're doing very well at top yeah. of the league. I haven't played Friday night and won again. So my own experience of Pozuelo is that we covered him in the Premier League when he was a complete disaster at Swansea City and he, by the way he was rubbish has to be said um, but I don't want to say that because Tottenham I don't want TFC fans to go oh, okay we've signed a dud he's clearly at a different level yeah. playing a different level he's clearly a far he's, he's a player that we've seen in the Europa League that's got a lot more confidence about him now a number 10 that can drive from the midfield and connect with the forward eye for the final pass doesn't score as many goals as you perhaps would like but that might translate to the lower league of, of, of MLS compared to when he's played obviously at the highest level so I think the comparisons to Vasquez are valid but to answer your question is he a good target for the team I, I, I guess we'll have to wait and see what we do know is that this is um, maybe a replacement talent wise for Vasquez but clearly a replacement financially for Javinko. yeah and that's important to recognise that a lot of money's going to be spent on this guy transfer, transfer fee and salary so that's key because if you're going to spend all that money and, and, and you know, Javinko wasn't going to get it or it, it never went to Javinko, then you need to replace the goals and assists. Now, 
potentially he can replace the assists, but the goals might be an issue if we look back. Why did TFC keep going to Belgium? I think they feel it's a, a similar league and standard to MLS, KJ. I think that's why they're, uh, they've are they been looking there and they've had success uh, in that region with, with Victor Vasquez. Pozuelo um, has been outstanding for his club. They're 12 points clear at the top of the, mm-hmm. the Belgian league. So there's there's no doubt about it that this guy's career has took an upturn since the days that we sort of remember him at Swansea where, in fairness, he was a younger player. He yeah. was coming to a different league. He was coming to probably the toughest league in the world and it never quite worked. So I think he's probably matured since then as well. And we'll just have to see. I mean... It's difficult to, to judge him when we're not experts in the Belgian league. We don't certainly don't watch him every single week. But what we do see in clips and from some live games is, is a player who is pretty exciting. He does have the ability to be good. But I, I think they're spending a lot of money on this guy. I have to say at 27, I don't know how much of that money you're going to recoup. I guess that doesn't really matter if you win. But... The whole reason we felt they were changing a Jovinko or some of the guys who were getting on in a bit in years was to bring in more of an asset. To me, doesn't really seem like an asset here. Yeah, all I'll say is to finish off is that, as I said before and as I wrote, Sebastian Jovinko, the greatest player in TFC history and the most important signing in TFC history. And now, four years later, this is the most important signing since then. They better get it right. Just a little note for fans. A reminder, in the next episode, uh, we'll be previewing the Vancouver Whitecaps. We'll be chatting with Mark DeSantos on Wednesday night. And uh, if you have any questions, please send them to AskAFP. Use the hashtag AskAFP. Whitecaps Nation, get them in. Moving on, just quickly for the Whitecaps. They signed a young DP. Um, he's on loan. Joaquin Ardez. Or days? Apologies. Ardez, Ardez. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ardez, yeah. Thoughts on the move? Looks like a really nice, nice young player. Doesn't look like they've got a lot to lose. Obviously, the acquisition cost is there, but there's a loan that could turn into a permanent. Uh, nice left foot, big target man as well, but also he's very good on the ball, behind the ball as well. Sorry, behind the, the defender as well. And um, by all accounts, we'll get into this more on Wednesday, but Montero's coming in as well, so there's competition for places. So um, not too much pressure on him, a little bit like the Rivero, when Octavio Rivero came in, he had to really be the, the man. It doesn't look like this guy's going to be the man. He's going to be um, a, an effective backup right away and, and somebody that you can really, boy, oh boy, could see a big upside. I, I remember watching him briefly two years ago in the Sudamerica, the under-20s, um, and I've seen a little bit of him, but yeah, a, a really exciting young prospect. Yeah, very, very exciting young player and a, a guy who was thought of very highly in his native Uruguay when he, he was coming out of there getting compared to Cavani and Suarez. So that tells you what kind of pedigree he had. And then he went to Europe and he's lost his way a little bit and it's up to the Vancouver Whitecaps and, and Mark DeSantos to, to find that spark again, to find that thing that, that's been missing, uh, maybe make him feel very welcome and, and, and find a home and give him some time, Casey. I, I think it's important that... Whitecaps fans and, and, and everyone else who, who loves MLS just allows this lad to settle in a little bit. He's still very young and he still has to find his feet. And I think maybe a Montero, whoever comes in, will will allow him to do that. He, he's not coming in with a, even though he'd be a young designated player, he's, he doesn't have the pressure on his shoulders by being having to be that main man and play week in, week out. He's going to get some time to acclimatise the league, but I'm extremely excited because if this is right, this could be a real asset on the hands of the Vancouver Whitecaps. 
Speaking of the Whitecaps, uh, Marcel Dion was bought out by the Caps uh, earlier this week. That was the 21st player this season that has been moved from last year's Caps team. The rumor is is that he's on his way to the CPL. Is this a very important move for the CPL, just to bring in somebody that has a lot of Canadian experience? You want to go on this or first? I can, yeah, yeah, uh, no well, I think it's a great sign yeah, to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree because I think it's important now for the CPL. They've signed a lot of players, and more and more players have been signed but haven't been announced yet. But they need some name recognition. I'm yeah, not, they that, do. that doesn't mean I'm not discrediting anything. Some of these players they've signed, people like us and Shawnee, and the, the people, a lot of us in the industry know them. But you're looking for that other area as well. Oh, Muscle Young, oh, I remember that name. He played yeah. for Canada. You know, you need that kind of a, that example as well. And uh, I think that's important for the league. To, to, you got to generate the balance. You don't want to get players who are done, but Marcel's far from done. Yeah, far from done. And the most prestigious signing by the CPL so far, I think that that's clear. Marcel de Jong's a player with great deal of experience, played lots and lots of football at a high level, played for his country, and I think that will be a, a great signing for Pacific FC. He's been in that area playing his football, and I think that um, he would bring... Um, I bought a lot of publicity to the team into the league, so I'm hoping that gets done. I think it will be um, it will be good for Marcel De Jong as well, you know, to, to to really be there in the inaugural season and to kind of carry the flag or fly the flag for the uh, for the league. And one last one earlier this week, the uh, Canadian women's national team announced that they'll be playing England in preparation for the Women's World Cup. What are your early expectations for Canada coming into the World Cup? Yeah, I'm excited to see the game. I, I think it's important they announce games like that where you've got to play established opposition coming into the tournament. You know, I, you know, I haven't covered the game as much as some of when we're covering the men's game. But leaning on some of the experts that we know, I remember Claire Rustad at CSN said when the draw came out, she thought it was quite favourable uh, for Canada. So uh, you know, that's that's a good one. I know having done the games in the 2015 World Cup, that obviously they've got New Zealand and the Netherlands again. Um, you know, and, and I, I remember the I mean the Netherlands have got some very good players in Mertens and. And Medina and, and Daniel van der Donk in midfield so uh, I think that'll be a real challenge for them so I think they've got to get some real big class opposition before the World Cup comes in but um, it's great to have a Women's World Cup and uh, yeah we're, we're really looking forward to it but it's important that they, they get those games and England's a, a massive moment right now a massive opponent right now because they're, they're a team who actually think they can go and win this World Cup as Yeah well. and, and so should Canada and I think that's why this is going to be an exciting friendly match warm up match for, for the World Cup that you get two teams who are Maybe just a little bit below, obviously, the, the clear favourites, but teams that have, have strong aspirations of winning the tournament. <laughs> it's getting that competition as you head in. It's, it's not getting the shock. Obviously, if you're playing in a region like CONCACAF, you're, you're playing a lot of games that you win quite comfortably. So you don't want to go from sort of cruising through some games and, and, and winning reasonably easily to like the shock of a quality side. So so these friendlies, I agree, I think, are going to be vitally important um, I'm looking forward to this World Cup getting started the Dutch are an interesting side KJ you mentioned that they've been getting that little bit better as most teams in Europe have that the leagues are getting stronger back there and so the the national teams are getting better and better and it's going to be a, a wonderful World Cup that, that Canada have every chance of being very successful in but they're going to have to treat these friendlies with a, the, you know, the right attitude and, and make sure they get something from everyone as they head into that first match 
No question about that. That is the end of headlines. No guests this week, so we're going to go straight over to Sean again for hashtag AskAFP. And a reminder, you can get all your questions in on social media by using AskAFP. One of the reasons why we love this show so much is the interaction. And you guys, once again, continue to ask some great questions. So thank you for that. Over to you, Sean. You guys chatted about this a little bit earlier in the pod. Evan and Aaron both ask, who will be your bottom three at the end of the season in the Premier League? I think we can send two away, no? Yeah. Yeah. Huddersfield. Fulham. Gone. They're gone. Fulham. I just, just feel we're gone late August, I'd say. Early. <laughs> yeah. You never even gave them three games at the start? No. Oh. No chance. Okay. Um, it was a remarkable story that they stayed up in the first place. Yeah. Um, but shout out to our friend Joe, Joe Del Busso, who's a big, average big Huddersfield <laughs> fan uh, who works at our place. And um, he's just gone very quiet on Saturdays when he's when he's uh, helping us produce the shows anymore. He doesn't even, even have any energy. Did you hear him did, t- did, yeah, on Saturday morning? He just squeaked just like, out uh, Huddersfield and scored. scored. 2-0 down at the yeah, moment, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's not used to be last season. It was just full of exuberance yeah. and energy. and. Now, they may as well be managed by Martin from Wakefield but for the next few weeks, but they're not. So, um, yeah, they're, they're done. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think Cardiff for the third, but the, the the game they show today gives you a bit of hope. Brighton are a team we're concerned about. Yeah, um, They have been very good at home over the last two years, but then you lose to Burnley, and Burnley have been good, so maybe no disrespect to them, but Brighton, I'm just looking at their schedule. They've got Chelsea away. Uh, they've still got to go there. They've still got to go to Tottenham. They've still got to go to Arsenal. They've got Man City at home. Now, I know a lot of these teams have got big games, but a lot of those games are away from home and their points are at home. They need to get them. They need to get them fast. Yeah. And they had 21 points from 15 games. They've since got six points from their last, the next 11. If you equate that over the next 11, if they got six points from the next 11 again, they're looking at 33, you know, with one game to play, which would be Man, United, Man City at home. Yeah. 33 might not be enough the way Cardiff are coming like a train. I thought maybe it would. Um, so that's some concerns. I think the other teams are all all right. I think they're going to be okay. Palace, Southampton, I think they've got enough talent there. But for me, Cardiff and Brighton, a little bit worrying. Yeah, I, I think Cardiff ultimately will go down. But I agree with you, KJ, when you see that team that, that's sliding, mm. it's a huge problem. And it's it's absolute madness, actually. But if they, if they win, if they had won on Saturday against Burnley, I would have said, no way they'll get relegated. And yet, because they, you know, it's only three points, the but the magnitude yeah, exactly. of it at home to a team that's that's near you and it kind of drags you right into it, makes it really, really worrying for, for Chris Hewton's side. It's a side you are on the slide, like I said, and they need to stop that really quickly. Uh, Cardiff just have this spirit. They just have this something going and and I feel like they're a team that, that, that nothing's expected of them, so that's given them the confidence to go out there and just play their game and, and, and do their business. We could mention them all. They're all in it. Newcastle are in it as yeah, well. Yeah, they play Monday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burnley are not safe either. You know, it's, it's going to go down to the wire for that last place with, with, with Cardiff's form and, and the way that they've kind of, or they have the ability to just pick up three points when it truly matters. And it's it's maybe going to be uh, right down to the last game. Maybe two or three, four teams could go down on that last day, I think. Mm-hmm. Simon asks, do you think Marco Silva will see the season out as Everton manager? Yeah, I got a, good, a, a really nice response. From, thanks to a lot of people from Everton fans last week who really enjoyed our discussion on, on that team. That was yeah. nice to hear. Um, they, I was not surprised that they got beat by Watford Saturday. Um, the, there was um, a clear edge from Watford players. Troy Deeney said, you know, he was asked yeah. the, the week prior. Should Didn't we, hold back, you did know, he? Don't worry about that. Will the... Uh, We'll, we'll sort it out ourselves. Don't boo in Marco Silva. We'll go out there and deliver. There's, there was clear bitterness uh, between the teams. 
Um, I'm going to get to his future in a second. I do want to just share this story. Uh, pre-match, the playlist at Watford before Everton included such songs called Tempted, <laughs> Lying Eyes, You Give Love a Bad Name, You Can Go Your Own Way, Since You've Been Gone, The Snake. Do you think so, they were trying to say something? <laughs> do you think they were trying to send a message <laughs> to their former manager, Marco Silva? In the end, they did send a message. They won 1-0 and Everton's slide continues. A team devoid of real leadership and characters. Um, so I get the feeling that if it doesn't end soon, that unfortunately it looks like it's coming to an end at the end of the season. I don't think it is. I hope I'm uh, I'm right with that because I think they have to give this guy time. I think that he's got himself into a, a real hole and, and he'll be hoping this is the lowest point of his, his Everton career because they are a team devoid of, of, of any inspiration right now and, and I agree with you, leadership is a massive part of that. But this is a guy that's trying to pretty much radically transition from survival Sam Allardyce just get the results any way possible. And aging Wayne Rooney, all the things that were there before, and, and, and bringing in Marco Silva, the, the guy that they, they clearly wanted as they kind of had to go to the stopgap of Sam Allardyce and, and then giving him some money and telling him he's got some time to change it and then bailing on that plan after seven months. Yes, it doesn't look good. Yes, they have issues in a number of areas, but give the guy some time, trust in him, believe in him. They're mid-table. They want to be better. There's no real reason to, to sack the guy. That They're not going to lose the massive windfall of staying in the Premier League and go down to the Championship. Just give them till the this, this summer and then give them another window in the summer. If we're in this position in 2020 KJ and we're in the February and, and, and it's the same kind of things and they're conceding the same kind of goals and, and, and they're lacking the, the same kind of leadership at the back that I think they're lacking right now, then yes, I'm with you. That it's probably time to, to pull the cord and, and, and sack the guy. But it's a massive moment here. Where do they go if they sack him? How, yeah, who do they look to? They're going to get another guy that's going to build it again. Give him a chance. Give him some time and, and believe in him. And Everton fans... Get behind them. I know it's difficult at the moment, but show why you're one of the best clubs in, in world football. And I don't say that lightly. A brilliant club. Brilliant club yeah. Passionate fans. Get behind your manager. Give him a chance. I'd like to see him get a chance to try and survive because every single time it's happened in his career, he's just got fired. And he looks like he, he looks like a man who annoys people. Yeah. You know, and like maybe there's a chance, can you build that back up or does it just look like the inevitable again, which is what happens now? You just, you're sacked. Yeah. We're done. You know, you want an arch and right now there's no arch. It's just a slippery slope and yeah. it's gone downhill very quickly. This one's a bit long-winded, but Alex asks, the PSG president has joined the UEFA executive committee despite PSG being under financial fair play investigation, despite him being personally involved in criminal proceedings, and despite the obvious conflict of interest given that he's in charge of BN Sports. A, how is this okay? And B, do you two find that you have to compartmentalize this kind of stuff before you enjoy the game? Uh, yes, yes, um, to the answer of B, not to the answer of, yeah, is it okay? Um, the answer of B, um, one of the reasons in life, mate, why I don't watch CNN. I don't know about you. And I, we, I, I, used, to, I used to work there. Don Lemon's my favorite. I, I don't watch them because I just have very little politics time in my life. Um, I have to compartmentalize this. I have to try and enjoy it on the field. I understand what's going on. And when people have questions about things and divert, we'll do our work to, to, to get around that. But that unfortunately it's just a game full of greed 
that's yeah. the way it is and and then you know that's the that's the issue and you know it's the same questions we get when we when we get ready for euros and world cups and we get pulled by ctv news and cp24 and we have questions and a lot of the times they're like what's going on with the homelessness what's going on with the slavery what's going on with the stadiums yeah. and it's all those questions and you have to answer them at that time i can't wait for that first ball to be kicked in a tournament because then i know i talk about what what I like to talk about. Yeah, and, and what we're supposed to talk about, which is football, you right. know, was kind of meant to keep out of that kind of stuff. Thankfully, and, though, there are people who will follow this because yeah. that's need that's needed as well. Otherwise, of course. it will just be the Wild West. And it should be in, in politics are in every walk of life and obviously they're in football. It's a multi-billion dollar industry, so you, you're going to get that kind of level of corruption and, and we know about the recent corruption within the game and it'll, it'll continue, unfortunately. It's going to be there. It's something that's uh, that's uh, rife in the game and maybe there's signs of it cleaning up a little bit, but it will always be there because of the billions and billions and billions of dollars and we just have to worry about what we try and do best, which is talk about the game, the game we love and, and the beautiful side of it and the quality and the the, the defending. I like to talk about the defending, so <laughs> we'll leave this stuff about the PSG president. To it's a good in. question though, Alex, and thanks for Yeah, that. thank you. Chris asks, which match has the biggest potential to see an upset in the round of 16? Tottenham beating Dortmund, Shawnee. That's mine. And you've already said yours, uh, Atletico Madrid beating Juve. That's that, what is you that reckon. a shock? That's a big shock. You think... Well, a big shock, Atletico Madrid. I know Juve are expecting to win it, but really... Mm. I'm just looking at like group winners versus second place, if yeah. he's asking the math. But like, I can you know. really look at these matchups and go, would you be shocked if anything happened here? I mean, Barcelona, yeah. I mean, they're not going to get beat, are they? No, they're going to beat Leon. Even though Leon, they're, they're not a good, good side, but yeah. they're going to beat them, I think. After last Real Madrid, year Ajax, Ajax were brilliant against Bayern Munich like in the group Ajax. stages. I love Ajax, but what we've just been talking about. We've been waxing lyrical yeah. about Real Madrid getting it done. Yeah. Can't see any of them. Other than that, the rest of them, I, I just don't think there's a shock there. Even if, I mean, Porto were brilliant in the group stage. I think they might beat Roma. That's yeah. not a shock. No, it's not a shock. No. So PSG losing to Manchester United. The way United are playing right now and yeah. without Neymar. Nothing's a shock. It's a shock, is Well, it? we talked about the 16 teams and at this level, at this stage, Potential they're upset, all fantastic. Sorry, they're all yeah. fantastic at this point. But to me... Manchester United beating PSG would be would be an upset. Yeah. There's there's no doubt about it. PSG it's tough to say expecting no to Ollie after that, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's got the job, isn't he? He's writing he's writing his own contract at that moment, yeah. and uh, and who would rule against that? I mean, he's going to be playing on all the pressures on PSG, Massive and pressure. he's going to be putting his lads out there. I, I don't know what you think on this, KG. Is it more important? Is it better for Manu that they're at home first? Yes, hundred percent. Yes, you think so? Hundred percent. Yeah, because if, if you go be to away. PSG, you could get significantly up. Of course, the one thing about PSG, and, I, and I've said this before, they've got a very complicated relationship with this competition, and that's because they've been major, major failures. And this is a competition that's going to define their era. This, not French league, don't matter where you can you can win fifteen league, French leagues in a row, don't matter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Get back to us in a big tournament, lads. You know, and this is the game. This, this is a is tournament. It. Yeah, and but they did come through in the group stages. They were brilliant in the group stages against Liverpool. Yeah. that day. And I just felt at home, if United go there, they could say, that's a step on their throat now. But now Old Trafford will be buzzing. They're up for it. Could I think it might help them to try and win the game. And I think they need to win that match to have a chance. Yeah, and play that counter-attack football yeah. that all away from home so be, well. Yeah. You know, it could be if they've got maybe a 1-0 a victory or a 2-1 victory, then you never know they're I, right in it. I fancy him to score in Paris. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, that should be give, give him an opportunity, no question. Last one before we wrap up. Justin asks... How do you guys see TFC's defense lining up this season? Wow. Um, 
Yeah, great great question. Yeah. The way they're going right now, I think back four. Yeah. I would I say. Agree. Yeah. So at the moment, uh, I would have guessed it would be the it would be Arrow with Morrow as the fullbacks. Yeah. Yep. And then Mavinga and Simon. Yeah. As the main back four. With obviously lots of other concerns about injuries and, 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 yeah. and an ability to go to a three when needed as well as a back three. Yeah, I, I think they'll go to the three at times as well. I don't think it'll be a clear cut four right from the start. Maybe, or I'm sure Greg Vanny hopes that they'll just settle into whatever is working best. But, you know, don't rule out Drew Moore. He's obviously a player who's had great quality and, and been very important to this side. So, <laughs> Simon and Mavinga are going to play if they're fit. So that, to me, maybe edges them towards a, a three if, if Drew Moore is mm. looking in the form that, yeah. that we expected him to be in that he was in a year or two ago. So And if you play Drew, you you allow Mavinga and Simon to do to be a little bit more aggressive. Which, Step in. Which, yeah, which they which are. They love. And it could be a bit vulnerable if they play together in the two. Yeah, I think it really could be, KJ, against very good sides. Mm. They, they love to step into things, and uh, especially with the full-backs being asked to create that width at the moment and be really high. There's an opportunity for a wide player from the opposition to make that kind of out to and run in behind you know as, as a centre back steps out that gap I always had issues with obviously because I was slow as a week in the jail but stepping out of that gap and then someone coming into the side so I always like to keep my shape the guys are super aggressive Mavinga's very very quick but when he steps out that's a gap for someone to move into so yeah we think four but with Drew Moore, if he's shown the form that he can show, maybe they start with three or maybe they play some kind of hybrid depending on the formation or the, the opposition against them. Good stuff. Before we wrap up, we just have to have a shout out to our friend Luke Wyman. We tried to get him on the phone. He wouldn't come on. He wouldn't answer. He wouldn't again. answer. He was very active on his phone Friday, wasn't he? He was our, active gr- for, what, 75, 80 group, minutes? On our group chat. Yeah. He chirping me after 52 minutes, Sheffield United up 2-0 after they cheated and kicked the ball out of the goalkeeper's hand, just, just letting you know. And then they scored a third, and I'm like, you must be a good team if you're chirping me after 55 <laughs> minutes. Gives me the thumbs-up emoji, which just made me sick. <laughs> and when he just rammed his thumb down his throat. And then, you know, I just stayed, stayed out of it. Then Dunfield came in on the chat, didn't yeah. he? Dunfield in Argentina. Yeah, thanks for coming, too. Yeah, thanks for coming in, tell a little bit later, as, as normal he comes in <laughs> on the chat and then suddenly Villa who were just awful for 85 80 minutes mm-hmm. Chef United just bottled it and gave up three goals and then I and then I just like sent a message get in that's all I wrote in the, on our so, chat <laughs> so I forgot about the game then I noticed our chat before I realized the game was on I immediately put it on and I thought there's no way Villa are coming back 3-1 okay half a chance 3-2 I think and then you missed a big chance or something yeah, happened in yeah. the game by the way Sheffield United gave away two penalties that weren't given by the ref <laughs> so at this point I'm just pr- I used to play for Birmingham yeah, City I, know, yeah, yeah. I do not like Aston Villa that's because you like me and I also says a lot like, about Wilman, doesn't it? I also like Luke Wilman being upset <laughs> and being disappointed because I know how much he likes Sheffield United yeah. and I'm watching this game and I see what eventually transpires in the third goal coming and I'm like please score Please score, please score, please score. My lads are looking at me like I'm crazy. And when it goes in, I give the biggest <laughs> laugh. I'm so happy. I'm right on the text. Ah, well, man. Yeah. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji. We, Did about the phone went mental. Mine went mental as well. And then Luke had the audacity to get back and go, decent point Good on the point. road. 
I'm like disgusting. <laughs> like you, you, you're three thousand proper fans yeah. who went to the stadium were all walking out like you just got battered. Yeah. You're about to go top of the league. Billy Sharp doesn't even want to give an interview to Sky. He was in the dugout for about ten minutes. He couldn't even get a, a, like, down a good, tunnel. Good point on the road. <laughs> See you next year. In the Quick word on Sheffield United, though. You thought that they were very good. really they had a good style. Yeah, it hurts my heart to say it. They, they <laughs> They're still on the, the hunt. Though, They're still on they? the hunt. Norwood's yeah. a terrific player. They, but you know, Wilder's doing a great job there. They keep the ball down. And I think, by the way, the difference in that game says everything. You've got a progressive young team who respect the way the game should be played at that level. And you've got another team in Villa who've got too many old players trying to play that old lumpet style. And they're just, they're, they're being found out. And that's the difference between the two teams for me. Um, more of this kind of discussion and, and jokes against Wildman will be on Thursday, <laughs> um, the 28th at the Rivley. Please come and join us because we would love to do a show in front of you. And remind, a reminder, if you're interested in coming to the event, tickets are $20 at Rivley downtown Toronto and available for purchase at a footballpodcast.com. A reminder, we'll be back Thursday morning to recap the terrific midweek UEFA Champions League matches as well. And we will speak to you all then. Thanks to Shawnee. Thanks to Clay. Stevie, thanks again. Thank you.